In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Caleb. It's always a good sign when you hear someone's testimony and it stops being about them and it begins proclaiming Jesus. So, uh, yes, well done. Amen. All right. Uh, so we're going to start in Matthew this morning. So if we're going to proclaim Jesus, we should probably start with the words of Jesus. Uh, two little verses in Matthew chapter 7 are going to guide this entire message this morning. Matthew 7, 13, and 14. Matthew 7, 13 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. This morning, brothers and sisters, we will be talking about that narrow and hard way. It's laid out for us in chapter, chapter 2 of Proverbs. And we're also going to contrast it with the wide way of the world. There are many other options. But as Jesus told us, there is one way, and it is him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so this actually became the common name for the Christians before the word Christian came about. Beginning in Acts 19, we see those who follow Christ as followers of the way, capital W. It was what they called the sect. They didn't know what to call it, but there are these people who are talking about the narrow way, and, and they were referring to Jesus. And, and, and in his teaching, if you were to come after me, you need to take off all of the old self. You need to leave it behind. You need to unburden yourself with the things of the world and follow me on the narrow way and not the wide way. And so this became... Um, what they called themselves, and it became uh, the, the insult that was given to them by the culture around them. Um, and this also is found in Christ, but it's not new to Christ. We saw this in the last couple weeks in Psalm 1, uh, this, this walking this, this way. And the father, as he continues to instruct the son, is drawing his attention to the right path. And if you stay on the right path, you will avoid and it will save you from the wrong and from all the other the pitfalls in life. And so there is this theme that is being developed between the two ways. The way of the right, the way of the narrow, the way of, the, the way of wisdom, and the wide way, the way of foolishness. And the choice is supposed to be obvious. It's supposed to be easy. But because his son is stubborn and thick-headed, and because we're stubborn and thick-headed, he needs to tell it many times in many different ways so that we bring home the point. Um, so this morning, we're covering all of chapter 2. So here's what we're doing this morning. It's a larger text than normal, uh, but it's one continuous poem. There's a lot of structure, hence the uh, handout. Uh, but this is also one sentence in the Hebrew. Uh, so you're, uh, we were joking last night that, that your English teachers would, would flip out um, and uh, you would get a terrible grade if this was one sentence. But in beautiful Hebrew poetry, and so anytime you get marked off for a run-on sentence, quote Solomon. Uh, he's much wiser than your English teacher, I promise. Um, 
So we're going to deal with all of it. So we won't get into as much of the word study and the technical details as we did in the last couple. So we're going to look at the repetition. We're going to look at the, the, the parallels, the uh, broader themes. Um, and so we won't do as much commentary on the verses. So this will be broader strokes. But I want you to get the flow of the argumentation, which is why you have that sheet in front of you. So I thought it'd be a lot easier than putting uh, it all up on, on the screen and then having you take pictures and, um, and, and be distracted and me have to describe them all. I want to put it right in front of you so we can kind of move through them. So the first one you're going to see on there, so you get the outline. Um, you got the uh, conditions, the consequences, and the conclusion. But that, stretching that out a little bit. What's the flow of this, this poem? And there's the, the repetition and the structure helps us here. So you've got nature, or excuse me, wisdom does two things. It develops and it delivers, or it sanctifies and it saves. So the, the first thing begins with my son, if you. Here's the, the, the conditional relationship. Uh, we won't get into our text just yet. Um, so looking at that outline on your page, if you do these things, then... These things will happen. Here's the conditional relationship. If you follow these wise words, if you listen to this instruction, if you, if you treasure this in your heart, then it will lead to wisdom uh, along the way. There is a divine protection that we'll get to later. And then there's a, then there's a wisdom uh, for understanding. There's something that goes on within you that helps you understand the world around you. But also... Wisdom is not just for, for positive upbuilding, it's also for positive reinforcement and, and, and guarding and protecting because there's a lot of evil out there. And so we need to be delivered from that. So wisdom will deliver you from the wicked, the wicked men, and the wicked woman, and wisdom will lead you to life, the opposite of where the wicked will go, to death. So that's kind of the, the flow. And so if you can see these, it, it, it's kind of a... And uh, A, B, B structure, A, B, B structure. Uh, we'll get to the other ones as we get there. So uh, as you're going through this, uh, I, I want you to see the repetition and want, want you to see the patterns so that we can understand this poem as a whole. And so as uh, a great family exercise here, you can print out or write out this, this chapter and color code words. Uh, you can circle, highlight, underline, whatever. It, it, uh, Shri got really excited about that. All of, all of you uh, detailed note takers just, just giggled inside because you get to use different colored pens. And, um, and, and, and it's a great way to understand, especially for us visual people, it's a great way to understand scripture. Um, and that's why we got the little, little Proverbs journals, because you can use as many colors and as many designs as you want, um, and it won't cloud up your, your, your Bible. Um, but for kids especially, just getting them excited to recognize, oh, this word is synonymous with this word, or this is used here, or I see a, another pattern. Um, and so it's a, it's a great tool. So you can, uh, you can do any of that, or you can even diagram it kind of the way I did, those, those little diagrams where you can see the breakdown of each verse. But some of the important Repetitions here. Fifteen times there's a mention of wisdom or something synonymous with wisdom. Um, instruction, commands, teaching. Fifteen times. Eight times. Uh, excuse me, a, a, another fifteen times. Way, walk, or path. Um, so we've dealt with this before, but we really need to get this for this particular chapter. The way, your way, your walk, your, your path, 
path are your, your actions, your, your behaviors, the direction that your life is heading. So we've talked about this, but just to reiterate, if you think about what walking means, you start somewhere, you end somewhere else. If you walk north, you're going to end up north. If you walk south, you're going to end up south. If you walk in the way of righteousness, you will attain righteousness. If you walk in the opposite direction, you will attain wickedness. So this idea of walking and movement is, um, is understood in that in the human life, we're always moving. We get up every day. There are things that we do. Our lives are moving in a particular direction. And which direction is your life moving in? Which way are you walking? Fifteen times. Uh, the other one, there's eight mentions of goodness, rightness, and, and, and uprightness uh, at the beginning and at the end. And so this is to encourage the son, the reader. This is what you're striving for. This is the purpose of all this. Do you want to be righteous before God? Do you want to be upright in the sight of men? Follow and listen to wisdom's instruction. So that's just kind of broad strokes, and uh, let's dive in here. So I'm going to read all of chapter 2, and then we will work our way through. Chapter 2, Proverbs, beginning in verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, make your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as, hi as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you'll understand righteousness. And justice and equity in every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be, will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Delivering you from the way of evil. From men of perverted speech. Who forsake the paths of uprightness. To walk in the ways of darkness. Who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the per perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to the death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her will come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep the paths of, of righteousness, of rightness. For the upright will inhibit, inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and ask that your word would accomplish its purpose. That we would submit to it, that we would be taught by it that we would be encouraged by it and convicted by it. That you would continue to mold your people after yourself. Lord, we need you. We need your spirit to guide us, to teach us, to transform us. We are incapable on our own. Heavenly Father, help us to cry out to you, that your spirit may utter words 
that we can't muster up within our flesh. We would seek wisdom. We would ask for wisdom. We would pray for understanding. We would come to you so that we would not fall into the pit on the right or the left. And that as we seek wisdom and as we open your word, may we see Christ. May we see your son, the fullness of wisdom and understanding, all of the treasures of the divine nature manifested in the flesh. May Christ be glorified. May we turn from our wicked ways. May we stop being led away by the wicked men or the strange woman. May we follow Jesus Christ on the hard way, the narrow way, the way that leads to life. We ask this in his name. Amen. All right, let's begin with the words, my son. This theme continues. This is a father speaking on behalf of parents to a son. But again, because there's no son listed, this is a general uh, admonition to all sons, to all daughters everywhere. This is parental instruction. This is teaching at its finest. This is what it looks like when godly parents with wisdom in mind begin to instruct their, their children. You see how this seamlessly weaves in and out with wisdom, this, this divine character and the language of the son, and, or excuse me, of, of the father. And you see the words and the commandments of the father, if they're commandments of godly parents, they will lead you to the fear of the Lord. And this is, this is what this, this introduction um, these, these conditional statements are leading up to if, if, if. You must hear these. You must apply these. Don't become numb to these good things. And so I want to move through these quickly. First thing, my son, if you receive my words and treasure them up, making your ear attentive to them. So these, these words, receive, treasure, be be attentive. This is not a light thing. In order for soil to receive seeds and to, to grow up, it must be fertile. It, it, it must bring in nutrients. It must, be, it, it must be watered. It must be ready for these, these, these seeds of wisdom. That is who we are to be. This, this fertile soil that, that hears this, this teaching and wants to sprout and wants to grow in all of our energy and all of our treasure is toward the growth from these divine words. So there's this fertile, ready attentiveness that also inclines hearts to understanding. The second if, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. So it's this reception, but also this, this asking, this calling out. You don't just sit there only passively and wait for it to happen to you. We have a role in this. We call out, we ask for in prayer. This quote by Charles Bridges uh, blew me away and there's a lot of wisdom in it and I totally recommend uh, or completely recommend his, his commentary. But he says this, earthly wisdom is gained by study, heavenly wisdom by prayer. 
Study may form a biblical scholar. Prayer puts the heart under heavenly tutelage and therefore forms the wise and spiritual Christian. You can leave that up there for a moment. Think about those words. Earthly wisdom is gained by study. What the Father's saying here is, yes, study. Take these words in. Take these commands in. Treasure them. But don't stop there. Because study may form a biblical scholar. There are a lot of dead biblical scholars out there. But prayer puts the heart under heavenly tutelage and therefore forms the wise and spiritual Christians. We are to be biblical scholars and devoted in prayer at the same time. We are to call out with our our, our voice. Notice how he's developing the whole person here. The, the, The mind that can receive the instruction. The ears that are attentive. The voice that calls out. This is not just passive, complacent Christianity. This is not just following God as only a sponge. There is action on our part. We are to walk. We are to move. We are to be vocal. Look at the next set. If you seek it like silver and search for it, the hidden treasures. So far we've seen the mind, we've seen the mouth, we've seen the ears. But you need the feet. You need eyes to see where you're going. All of you is required to bring in this, this wisdom. And so you are to actively, you are to passively receive and be receptive and be ready to be built up. But also actively seek it and search for it. All of you is called into this. You are to go after it like silver, like hidden treasure. No one says, I want gold, um, you know, thinking about the, the move west in, in, in the miners and checks in one spot. It's like, no, no gold here. I'm done. I'm going back home. If you're really out for gold, if you're really out for treasure, if you find something valuable, As Jesus says, you will sell all you have. You will keep going. I know there is gold here. I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to keep keep going further. Seek. Search. You don't don't stop when something is, is valuable. And as soon as you find that first gold nugget, then a thirst and a desire develops. I want more. I want to gain more treasure and more wisdom. This is what it's like seeking and searching the scriptures. Seek out these commands. Seek out these these words. And when you find gold, treasure it and keep digging. That's kind of the, the idea here. What do we search after when, we, when we, we really want something? So that's the positive example. The other night we were having a conversation. I don't know if any of you remember the uh, ridiculous fad however many years ago. Josh is not here. He'll crack up because we were having this conversation the Pokemon Go fad. And we were, we were, so this is fine for little children who think that it's, who are going on a scavenger hunt on their phone. But for full-grown adults climbing into bushes trying to find Pokemon, it's ridiculous. But how, do, does anyone remember this? How people were walking around, bumping into poles, stepping out in, in, into traffic to find Pokemon? They would put their lives in danger for, to search for something that is nothing. It means absolutely nothing. No one is doing that anymore. But they put their, and adults, grown men and women, put their entire lives on hold to seek after digital nothings. 
Imagine if we seek after the things of God that way. Imagine we put our entire life on hold to build up the riches and and treasures of eternal knowledge, the knowledge of our God. How simple we are, how easily we're led astray. He says here, if you seek it like silver, this made me think about how simple we are in our culture. Um, There's this guy who does great man on the street videos, and so he stands on a street corner and he gives people uh, an option. I'm giving something free away today, an ounce of silver, or a chocolate bar, Hershey's at that. Um, and any of you ever seen this? 99% of the people took the chocolate bar. An ounce of silver is worth about 25 bucks. We are so simple. We don't even know what's valuable if it's staring us in the face. At least them then, they know to seek after silver, it's worth something. But how often Do we not even know value when it is sitting right in front of us? We don't know the riches that are contained within God's word. We're like, give me the candy bar because I can get a sugar high and it's gone in a moment. This is what the writer of Proverbs is getting at here. If it is valuable, and it is, seek after it as if it's valuable. Seek it with all of you, your ears, your eyes, your heart, your, your voice. And so these conditions in these first four verses lead us to the two ways. The way of wisdom and the way of folly. And it's not even supposed to be close. It's obvious what the choice should be. And so you are faced with this moment of of decision. Will you listen to these conditions? Will you follow this? We'll draw on um, another great source of wisdom, the matrix. This is your red pill, blue pill moment. Will you take this, this, this red pill and have your eyes open and see how things really are? It may be uncomfortable. It may be hard. It is, it, it is terrifying to, to see the whole picture, but you get to be fully awake. Or take the blue pill and continue in your sleep. Continue sleepwalking through the day and in your blissful ignorance with no real life at all. This is what the way of wisdom is offering. Will you take the red pill? Will you open your eyes to the understanding? Will you take in divine instruction and walk in fullness of light, even though it may be hard, even though it may be scary, but at least you're not being fooled? Or will you take the blue pill and, like most people, slumber through your life? That's why there's a call in the scripture to wake up, O sleeper. Last week, we talked about the waterfall analogy. But every one of us are headed toward that waterfall. Every one of us is headed toward death. It might be today. It might be 10 years from now. It might be 30 years from now. But will you wake up and hear the call of wisdom calling you to shore? Or will you kick back and continue on that path to certain death apart from wisdom? Will you listen? So these are important questions that we must answer. And when we are talking to people about our faith, we must ask them to answer. But then you may ask me, how do we do this? What does this look like practically? Um, I want you to, it'll be on your screen, but uh, if you can turn to 2 Timothy chapter three. This is what godly parental instruction looks like. This is the, the fruitfulness, as, as Caleb said, of a boring testimony. Praise the Lord for boring testimonies. 
Uh, if you have a testimony like mine, you can, if you don't have a testimony like mine, you can save your parents a lot of grief. But this is the example of what this faithful instruction, when parents instruct their children in the way of the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing that from whom you learned it, wise parents, uh, his, his, his mother and his aunt, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which, here's our tie to Proverbs, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. How do we do this, Christians? Remember and continue in what you've been taught. Open your Bibles. Because in it is the power of salvation, the wisdom of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you realize when you read your Bible, if you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who wrote the scriptures is, is speaking through the Spirit who indwells you to give you understanding of the scriptures. And if you do that, um, it's just like any discipline. It's not like you're going to see fruit day one, but you will see more and more fruit over time. And anyone who's been reading the scriptures for years looks back and say, man, how far I've grown, how much the Lord has done in me. Why? Because all scriptures breathed out this breath ruach idea that we looked at last week, out by God, Holy Spirit inspired and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Everything that the Father wants his son to have in Proverbs, we have in the scriptures, even if our earthly fathers are terrible. We have a heavenly Father who loves us so much that he desires for us to be taught, reproved, corrected and trained in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work you will not be perfect on this side of glory but to be complete lacking nothing in this life is to be a man or a woman of God's word so that you can be equipped for every good work walking along the way so even so some of you may still be saying well it's not that easy maybe it's easy for you preacher man but this is not easy for me because i open the scriptures and it doesn't make sense what do you do when it doesn't make sense go to james chapter one what do you do when it's when it's hard and it is hard so i've told many of you this but there are often passages that i have to to preach through and they are not easy on the first read I don't, I don't give up on, on Tuesday morning when I start studying. I read it again and again. Sometimes I'm reading the passage 30 or 40 times. And I am wrestling with it. I will not give up until, and I, will, and I will pray, and I will seek, and I'll walk away, and I will pray, and I will seek. How do we do this? We have a promise. James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Ask we serve a God who is everywhere and knows all things. We can ask. You think God doesn't know that it's difficult for you to read the Bible? You think God is, is, is caught off guard that you keep falling asleep after two or three verses? Ask. Lord, I need wisdom. Like Solomon, it was a good thing to petition the Lord for wisdom. But let him ask in faith without doubting. This is not asking in your strength, am I up to the challenge? This is asking in faith in Jesus Christ, did Jesus die for me? Did Jesus stand in my place? Did Jesus go to the Father? Did Jesus send the Spirit to give me understanding? If you can say this, 
Ask in faith, not in doubt. Because doubt comes when we try to put our abilities before the finished work of Christ. And so when we ask in faith, we're asking in faith in him, not in us. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. This is hard for us. We are double-minded, unstable people. So our, but the more time you spend in the word, the more time you spend in prayer, the more time you spend asking, the Lord will stabilize you. The Lord will point you. you. You will see true north and you won't be tossed to and fro again. All right, let's, let's move on. I could spend all our time in the first four verses. All right, so as we get into our next section, once these conditions are met, there are two major implications, and you'll see the outline there that, that I printed out. Uh, that's Bruce Walkie's outline, but my verbiage. So notice how the two parallel sections flow, 5 to 8 and 9 through 11. Then 4, uh, and then the result. Then 4, and then, the, and then the result. If you keep these, these conditions then you'll understand the fear of the Lord. You'll be developed before God, this vertical relationship. For, how does this happen? The Lord gives wisdom. He's the source of all wisdom. And then the result, he will guard you. He will watch over you, divine protection. In addition, that's the second then, you'll understand righteousness. You will develop before men on the earth. You will, you will walk in righteousness before your, your fellow man. How will you do that? Because wisdom will come into you. And what will be the result? That wisdom that is in you, that will give you protection. You'll, you'll be given divine protection externally, but also internally to, to apply, apply decisive wisdom. All right, so that's the flow of these next few verses. Let's walk through them. Verse 5. So if you meet these conditions, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. This is the most important concept in the entire book and in all of life. Notice, this is the converse of uh, uh, phrasing of verse 7 of chapter 1. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The converse of it is also true. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So, fear of the Lord brings wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge and true wisdom and knowledge leads to the fear of the Lord. See this, this kind of reciprocal relationship? That's what he's, what he's getting at here. But again, this is not knowledge for knowledge's sake. This is not just to remain up here. We search the word. Why? Because it's the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. But that is where we find Christ. We search the word because that is where, his, that is where the Son is. Paul tells us in Colossians 2, we looked at this last week, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Think about that. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, everything Solomon was trying to say, everything David was trying to say, everything Isaiah was trying to say, it is all found in Christ, all of it. Where is the treasure? In Christ. You can seek high, low, you can go to all these other places, but if he is the fullness of all wisdom, all treasure, seek him. And the fear of the Lord will lead you to him. A brief point of application, Acts 9.31 will be on the screen. This is what happened in the early church. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. How is that possible? 
and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. What is, your, what is our church growth strategy? More programs, do this or that, or do we walk in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit? Are we built up in our faith in Jesus Christ? That is how God multiplies his church. That is true church growth. Walking in the fear of the Lord, being comforted by the Holy Spirit. And it's nothing new. 1,500 years before Acts. But how is this accomplished in the believer? How does this happen, do we ask? Verse 6, 4, or because, here's how it happens, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. There is no wisdom apart from the Lord. You want wisdom? Go to the source. Seek Christ. He is the fullness of all wisdom and knowledge. And if you seek him, if you ask him, he will give it to you. Seek and you shall find. It's as simple and as difficult as that. Again, nothing new. The Bible is one revealed word from the Lord over many men in many centuries, but it is saying the same thing. Seek the Lord. Go after wisdom. And those in the Old Testament, they were looking forward. It was the spirit of Christ in them that could even talk about this spirit of of wisdom. The Lord is the source. From his mouth, everything he speaks is true and helpful. And it comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the outright. Rich people store up things for themselves. God is a smart banker. He stores up what is most valuable, sound wisdom. The excellencies and the riches of Christ is what the Father stores up for his people. Think about that. God has stored up everything that is good and sealed it in his Son. And he has given us that inheritance through faith. And that sound wisdom the instruction from the Lord is given to us through Christ. So he, he does this for our good, for our building up, but he also is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Wait, why do we need a shield? Because there's a battle out there. There are enemies out there. There are people who want to kill you. There are principalities and powers who want nothing more than for you to deny your Lord and be thrown into hell with them. Amen. But if you have the fear of the Lord, If the wisdom of God leads you to Christ, he is your shield. He will protect you. And no one will be able to snatch you out of his hand. He is your guard. He watches over his saints. Amen. The translation of saints here, uh, one word in the English, and I like the ESV's translation because it's a phrase in the Hebrew. This this phrase uh, means the one who keeps his covenants coming from hesed, the Hebrew word for covenant loyalty. So the saints are the ones who keep God's covenant. He is their watching. He is their, their, their guard. Notice the flow of this poem. If you keep these, then this will happen. The Lord gives wisdom, and the result, he will watch over you. He will be your guard. Secondly, so there's this, the divine relationship The second then in verse 9, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity in every good path. This is talking about before men on earth. How do we walk in this? How do we walk in righteousness? Again, it comes from wisdom, but here's a little bit of a different turn. If you seek wisdom, 
Then Yahweh, the God of all creation, your Redeemer, will give you his knowledge. And then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Um, How does that happen? Because wisdom will come into your heart. So you've got this external work upon you from the Lord. And then he goes and works within you internally. So the Hebrew concept of heart, we've covered it before. But it's important to think about. It's, it's probably more closely associated with our mind. It's, it's, it's your true self. It's what you think. It's what you feel. It's, it's who you really are. And if we're honest, the hardest trip we have to take is from our head to our hearts. We can hear these things. Every one of you in this room is hearing the words that are coming out of my mouth. But not all of you will hear those words and bring it to your heart. Many of you, they will stay and rattle around in your brain as just empty ideas. And it will keep doing that unless God sends his spirit into your heart. You must, he is the source of all wisdom. He must transform you from the inside out. This is, this is new birth language. This is regenerative language. The, his spirit or wisdom will come into your heart. You must be divinely transformed. I love that Caleb set me up well talking about union with Christ. How is it that we can walk righteously before others? How is it that we can stay on the right path? Because Jesus Christ died so that you would no longer have to be punished for your sin, so that you would no longer be separated from God, so that you would not have to justly bear his wrath, so that... He would rise again, that you would rise again, so that he would go to the right hand of the Father, so that he would send the Spirit, so that he would be with you wherever you go, so that he would make his home within you, come into your heart, and then you can walk as he has designed you. It doesn't make us unwilling robots, but it changes our wills. He changes our pleasure. He makes us delight in the things that we delight in. That's why I can say, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. This won't be a strain. This won't be forced because you will actually enjoy it. You will actually love it. What's the difference between someone who enjoys to cook and someone who doesn't? Someone who enjoys running or someone who doesn't? Someone who enjoys fixing things, someone who doesn't? Someone who enjoys watching children and someone who doesn't? You love it. It's a desire within you. Some have the desire for cooking or running and some don't. But there is a, is, is a, is a, is a passion built within you for something that you enjoy that you pursue. I love what Mark Twain says. He says, what you are obligated to do is work. What you are not obligated to do is play. What you are obligated to do we call work. I don't want to do it because someone else is making me do it. But if I get to make the decision, it becomes play. This is what the Lord does. He, he changes work, trying to work and earn our salvation into play. Our, our good works coming out of salvation that become joyous things. He makes doing the things of God joyful. He makes them, them pleasant to us because he changes who we are by putting his spirit in our heart. Make sense? This is what is going on here. So when that happens... That wisdom, the spirit that comes into you, that discretion, verse 11, will watch over you and understanding will guard you. So you've got this divine guard and protection from outside. You've got this divisive protection from inside through the Holy Spirit. God goes before you and he's your rear guard and he dwells within you. Beautiful Trinitarian understanding of 
our salvation here in the Psalms. But getting past that part, so there's this development that happens within the believer. Why does all this development need to happen within the believer? Because there's some bad stuff out there that we need to be delivered from. So there are two promises of delivering from these common in certain, meaning sure, trappings, temptations. Again, the outline that you have is Waltke's structure, uh, but my wording. So you notice I have a ABC, ABC parallelism here. You will be delivered from the wicked men. Here's what they forsake. They forsake the straight paths. Here's a description of their forsaking or their ways. You will also be delivered from the wicked women who forsake uh, covenants. Uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. And the description of all of her ways. Notice this, this parallelism is to draw our attention to these two things that are parallel to one another. So why this transition between being developed and being delivered? Why do we need to be guarded? Why do we need to be watched over? Why do we need to be, why do we need to be delivered? Uh, because we are sheep among wolves. Because we, we belong to our shepherd. But our enemies are many. And like their general, they seek to devour us. But because our shepherd is good, because our shepherd will never lose those who are under his care, he guards them and protects them and delivers them. I love this word for, for deliverance. Another, you could probably translate it salvation, but it, it means to be snatched up out of the clutches, taken away from something who wants to kill you. The same wisdom the same work of God that develops you delivers you and will keep you on this straight path. Uh, the same word comes up in verse 16. So introduces both, both the section in verse 12 and the section in verse 16. So first section here, uh, delivering from the, 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 the wicked men or wicked people in general. Uh, they are the forsakers of righteousness. Another parallelism, there's eight lines against the wicked men. There's eight lines against the adulterous women. Um, parallel with, with, with both of those, equal in, in, in the Hebrew. Um, these men are, they love the way of evil. They're perverted in their speech. This is a word that means distorted. It means upside down. Same word also comes up again in verse 14. The distortedness of evil. They take what is right and they flip it upside down. But here's a piece of repetition that you need to see. Notice there are wise words and wise speech that are being spoken in verses one through four. But the delivering is from the perverted speech of the wicked men. Knowing that it isn't always the clear external pull to wickedness. It's the perverted speech. It's taking what is good and woe to those who call what is good evil and what evil good. Woe to those who pervert and twist the words of God as Satan always has done. Did God really say, I can use all true words, but I can manipulate them enough where I can pull on your heartstrings, where I can lead you along by my own leash and lead you into the way of perverted wickedness. And there is a double condemnation for those men because they rejoice in doing evil. They delight in the perverseness of evil. For the people of God, they delight. A pleasure to their soul is the wisdom of God. But you, would, but you need deliverance because there are those out there who love what God hates. They delight in what is evil. 
And so you must be delivered from them. So it's not just the, the uh, peer pressure, the uh, group culture, the, the, the group think that's out there in verses 12 through 15. Um, it's also a particular type of temptation in verses 16 through 19. So you will be also delivered from the forbidden woman. Um, forbidden or adulterous, and we'll get into those terms in just a moment. But just like Lady Wisdom a couple chapters ago, or last, last chapter, um, it doesn't have one woman in, in mind here. There are many women who fit this description, um, but it doesn't have one woman in mind here. This is a, a, a caricature of the seducing pleasures and temptations of sin. And so uh, using womanly form, because we're talking to young men here, and let's be honest, number one temptation for young men is women. Um, and so a, a father knows that. And so when he says strange or, uh, so ESV translates it here, um, Forbidden Hebrew, it's it's strange um, or uh, foreign. So it doesn't mean foreign is in like other nations, but a woman who's strange to you, who is not your wife, a, a forbidden woman who doesn't belong to you, a foreign woman because she belongs to another man. That's the idea here, and the language is very strong within within the Hebrew. She will uh, so you'll be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. I'm gonna stop there for just a moment. Notice what comes up again. You've got wise words at the beginning. You've got perverted speech from these men, and now you've got smooth words from the woman. Those are the ones we've got to watch out for because the smooth words are the ones we want to hear. The smooth words are the ones that, that, that tickle our ears. The smooth words are the easy sayings. Yep, do this because this will make you happy. Do this because it will fulfill all of your desires. It's the smooth words that tell us what we want to hear. I cannot count how many times I have talked to people who come to me for counsel after the fact. They have sought counsel with those who will give them smooth words and have already made their mind up. Here's what I want to do, and I'm going to find someone. I'm going to keep talking and keep seeking until someone pours honey down my ear and, and it just slides right into my brain. Watch out for those smooth words. This is what the adulterous woman does. She speaks sensually to you. She tells you the things you want. She tells you that you're beautiful and amazing and all these, all these things that, 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 that you want to hear so that she can lure you in. And what does she lure you into? She lures you into her forsaking. They forsook the path of righteousness. She forsakes the, the, the companion. In the Hebrew, this is guide, uh, another word for husband. So she forsakes her husband. She is an adulteress. And if you don't get the clear picture yet, here's the parallel line. Forgets a covenant with her God. She is an adulterous apostate. She doesn't care about the covenant she made with her husband. She doesn't care about the covenant she made with, with, with her God. This is talking about unfaithful Israelites. You need to be delivered from them because they are covenant breakers. Just like the saints are covenant loyal, this woman does not care about covenant. Uh, Isaiah 54 connects these two ideas. Isaiah 54 is a beautiful picture of the gospel in the Old Testament. Uh, I'm going to read this. If you can get there, get there. It will be on the screen as well. So notice how God compares Israel to 
a woman in her shame. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more. For your maker is your husband. This same idea that when you covenant with God, he becomes your, your, your bridegroom. Jesus, we see this in, in, the, in the fullness in Christ. Christ in the church, the bride and his bridegroom, your, your maker, the creator of all things is covenanting with you, with you and will never leave you and never forsake you. This is the gospel. And the Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. For the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit. The gospel tells us we go from strange women to saints and sons. Like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit. Like a wife of youth who when she is cast off, says your God. For a brief moment I deserted you. Because you were the adulterous woman, but with great compassion I will gather you. In overflowing anger for a moment I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Such a rich passage. But the idea is being drawn together here. This adulterous woman does not care about her husband because she does not care about her God. And in the ultimate sense, they are the same. And so stay away from idolaters. Stay away from those who, who call you away from your, your maker and your redeemer. Who, who call you to be unfaithful to your God who covenanted with you. And the ultimate picture of your God who took on flesh to covenant with you. To make a marriage ceremony that will never be broken. Stay away from those who have no regard for their husband. And then it describes what happens. And this is a... This is a Hebrew picture in verse 18. Hebrew word picture. For her house sinks down to death. Um, kind of hard to translate, but it's essentially sinks down or, or, or tilts down. So the picture here is when you step in the room or the house of the adulterous woman, every step is one further down. The entire house is at an angle. And the further you go into the house, the further away from level ground you are. And the harder it is to climb back up. Every step brings you down to the depth, down to the departed. These are the, 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 the spirits of the dead who've been, who've been cast into oblivion. Every step into her house is a step into death. Every step into her house will lead astray. None who go into her will come back. That is exactly what you think it is. That is in the biblical sense. None who lay with her, none who make union with her flesh. This is a figurative and literal warning to young men. The sexual temptations are just like the idolatrous temptations. If you unite with her, she will bring you down to death and none. There is no life for those who bond themselves to this adulterous woman. You cannot serve God and idols. And they know to young men, sex is idol number one. Temptation is idol number one. And so the wise father puts sexual, or excuse me, sinful temptation in terms of sexual temptation. Now we get the conclusion. So you. Now, We've got the developing nature of wisdom, the delivering nature of wisdom, and this is assuming, son, assuming you're, you're still with me, 
Assuming you're, you're still listening, you're still tracking, if you take in wisdom, this is, this is the, the, the conclusion of the conditional poem. So you will walk, assuming you're walking in wisdom, in the way of good. And you will keep the paths of righteousness. Notice that all this path and language talk comes to the final lesson here. Here's the conclusion. If you seek wisdom, if you seek the fear of the Lord, you'll be developed, you'll be delivered, and you'll be made new. You will walk in good and right paths. This is the benefit of what Charles Bridges calls engrafted wisdom. When, this, when the Father sent the Son who sent the Spirit to come within us, we are engrafted with wisdom. It is, it is brought into our very lives. The wisdom of God makes us new creatures. And so when, when we walk, we walk in, in his ways. And so you will continue on in this. You will be made new. That is what the, the, the new covenant is all about. We need a new covenant because the old covenant was broken because humanity was separated by God from sin. But the new Adam and the new covenant makes us walk in, in, in his ways by making us new creatures. So this language of walk and keep Wisdom is not just making a good decision every now and then. A broken clock is right twice a day. Even an idiot can make a good decision every now and then. But a wise one keeps making wise decisions. A good one keeps making good decisions. Wisdom can never be measured in one day. Wisdom is proven over time. Those who keep walking. The, the wisdom keep, excuse me, the wise keep walking and live. But the unwise keep walking in their ways, in the ways of darkness, and die. And the beauty of wisdom is it keeps righteous men away from wicked men, and God directs our step. And then here's the end of all things, or the end of this poem, and all things, in verse 21 and 22. For, as your final because, the upright, or kind of therefore the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it but the wicked will be cut off from the land here's your final repetition of the land uh, we've talked about this before but it's good for you to know that um, in the, the Hebrew understanding they didn't have a fully developed view of eternal life um, they'd have a they didn't really have a view of death or or, or or hell there was kind of this unknown nature of what happened afterward and so all of their blessings were uh, spoken of a life in the land Blessing from God is a long and peaceful life. Um, lots to eat and nobody to fight. That is, that is life in, in the land. And so they've got um, this idea of a good, long life. Um, and so they didn't have a fully developed picture of eternal life, but we do. Those who walk in the fear of the Lord, those who, who ask for wisdom in faith, those who are wise in the salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, we will inherit the land, but not this one. We have a land prepared for us that is better than this one. Everything you love about this land. Well, when I hear people say, well, we're going to go to heaven and we're not going to see trees or I'm not going to see water anymore or all these things, like we've got a bad theology of the end times. We are promised a new heavens and new earth. 
We're not going to be floating on, on clouds. We will be living in God's creation, a land made for us, where we will dwell with God and he will dwell with us and we will be in perfect union with him and perfect union with, with one another. Lions and lambs will lay down together. Kids will play with snakes and not be scared. And not in the foolish Kentucky way. Um, but the land that we are, are, are promised is ours forever. This is what is promised to those who walk in wisdom. You will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Last thing I want to say is term rooted. They can be rooted out because they have no roots. If you know the strongest plants to kill and trees to kill are those ones that roots, the roots go all the way down. If you are rooted, no storm, no, no wind, no flood will, will, will bring you out. They get ripped out because their, their roots are shallow. We must be rooted in the wisdom of God. We must have deep roots that hold on to the immovable rock of ages. And so here's kind of your two summarizing um, yeah, two summarizing sentences here. The wise walk in good ways and will inherit the good long life. The wicked walk in darkness and will inherit death in a short life. That's basically what, what's going on here. So here's our final exhortation to us as believers. Avoid those who pursue evil. Avoid the lusts of the flesh. This is the wide way. This is what leads to destruction. And Jesus sent his spirit to deliver us from that. Don't go towards it. But on the other side, seek wisdom. Find treasure in God's word because there is where you will find Christ. This is the narrow way that leads to life through him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness and your greatness. Thank you for the wisdom of your word. We thank you for the unchanging nature of who you are. We can count on you as we are weak and shifty people, tossed to and fro. You are immutable. There is no shadow of turning with you. We are prone to wander and we are, we are called away after our desires. But thank you for your spirit who directs our steps, who keeps us on the straight path. And thank you for grace. That when we stumble off and when we, we walk into the mud and the mire of the world and follow after wicked men and adulterous women, you have grace and mercy and forgiveness. And you bring us back to the path. You, our shepherd, lead us through the heights of the mountains or through the valley of the shadow of death. And you will bring us home. You will bring us to our land that you promised a new heaven, a new earth that we will indwell forever with you and with one another because we are united to and in Christ through faith. And we praise you for this. And it is in his name we pray. Amen.